Hello and welcome to episode number 21 of the Cinderblock Podcast. My name's Nick and I am your host on this journey through the minds and hearts of some of Dallas-Fort Worth's most talented local musicians and members of our music community. My guest today is Sam Lau, uh, singer, writer, rapper, uh, artist, graphic designer, painter, all-around auteur, ass-kicker, Sam Lau. Uh, She was really cool, man. Uh, We had a cool talk about her signing to Def Disco, which at the time, this was recorded back in December, uh, at the time was kind of hot news. We spoke about her sweep of the DOMA Awards, the Dallas Observer Music Awards. She was nominated in five categories and won all five, including Best Song, Best Music Video, Best album, I think best hip hop artist and and one other one. We go through it in the in the podcast. Um yeah, she was cool. I think she has a a really good sense of who she is as a person and what her art is to her. Um we also talk about being a woman in the music industry and the struggles of that and how she wants to be an empowering force for other women, younger women. Probably older women too, um, uh, and, and it was great. It was a fun interview. I was glad she came through. So, what's going on with me? If you've listened to any of the last couple of podcasts, uh, you may have heard me briefly mention that my grandfather passed away. Uh, that was three weeks ago. Um, he and I weren't super close. We lived on different ends of the country for most of my life. Um, but it's it was a weird feeling. It was the first family member I've had ever had really pass away, and so I don't know. I found I found that I'm I'm weirdly emotional kind of all the time. I I cry just about every day. But it's not it's not like uh, I'm sad because Grandpa died, so I'm crying. It's it's you know I, I I cried I cried I teared up a little bit last night at the concert I was at. I was at the Amos Lee concert last night, who I've never listened to any of his music ever, and I just happened to come across a couple tickets and took my woman. Um, and I teared up a little bit because it was a it was a really good concert. But it was like so I'm I'm I've 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 also cried because I'm sad. I'm just rambling, but like I've I also cried because I'm sad, but I've I've cried because I'm moved by beauty more often. I don't know. It's I, I'm I'm weirdly emotional and I, I I'm assuming it it is I feel like I feel like ever since Grandpa passed it it's I think that was like when it started but I don't I I couldn't say that for sure it's just it's weird I feel weird I'm weirdly emotional all the time and I don't know I don't know why I'm on here talking about it maybe I'm just trying to process trying to process, trying to understand what's what what's going on inside in the head and in the heart, right? I mean, that's that's kind of why I do this, do the podcast is to talk to these artists and and see how they tick, see what goes on in their heads so I can figure out what's going on in mine. <laughs> um I don't know. That's uh I guess I'll I'll wrap this up and and say that's the end of Nick's personal reflection time. We're gonna add a new segment, Nick's Nick's personal reflection time, to the podcast. That's the way to really drive away listeners. That's what I'm trying to do here. So I've got some announcements from Cinderblock. Uh, we got some big things going on over here. I'll uh, let's see. We got some things coming up. I'm gonna tell you in order. So Cinderblock Sessions is back. Vincent Neal Emerson will be with us next Saturday, March 4th, recording a live Cinderblock session in studio. Tickets will be $10. You can get them online at pre-Kindle. You can pay at the door. Uh, CinderblockSessions.com. If you've never seen a Cinderblock session, go check that out. We're so happy to be back. If you have followed Cinderblock at all over the last year, then you know about being shut down by the city having to fight our way back. It was an eight-month battle to use the building that we rent as a business for these live events. So we're very happy to be back. We're very excited. Next Saturday, March 4th, Center Block Sessions is back. Vincent Neal Emerson is in the house. We'll see you here. So the next thing is a huge announcement for me. 
I'm so excited to announce that the Cinderblock podcast has been accepted into South by Southwest this year. We will be doing a live podcast recording at South by on the official podcast stage Friday, March 17th. 1230 to 1:30 we've got the stage I'm actually super nervous I think we're gonna do a panel style discussion about local music uh, I'm still kind of working it out thinking about it trying to mold something that people are going to enjoy live and in person because I've never done that I've only done this podcast in the studio locked away usually one-on-one with a person trying to have an intimate conversation, and so doing something on a stage in front of people is nerve-wracking to me because I just want it to be good, and I want people to like it and to be interested by it and for it to have value, and so I'm trying to figure out how to do that. But I'm very excited. South by Southwest Cinderblock Podcast is coming March 17th, 12.30 p.m. at, I think it's at like the Hilton or something. It's at a hotel. One of the official hotels of South by. We'll find out. And then, so after that, if you guys, if people wanted to come hang out at the Cinderblock podcast recording, the following day they could come to the Cinderblock block party down in Austin, Texas, where there will be live music, alcohol, food. Uh, Oh, did I mention there's a pool? Yeah, it's a pool party. We have a full lineup of musicians, including Charlie Crockett and Ishii, and a couple more that we will be announcing very soon. We announced this party three days ago on Facebook and and went live, and we've had 1,500 RSVPs. So I think we're about to close RSVPs and go... We're going to close down the free RSVPs, but tickets will still be available for purchase. Uh, We've been working on this for a long, long, long time, and we're super excited. A lot of people have worked very hard to make this possible. Um, So we will see you in Austin for the Cinder Block Party. The Block Party. The Cinder Block Block Party. The Block Cinder the Party. Today on Soundcheck, friend of Cinderblock and former guest of the podcast, Cameron Matthew Ray. This is his new single, Anymore. is warm, but not as warm as you were. I still remember our last fight. You swore I was wrong, but I knew we were right. just around the corner. I think they're currently planning the EP release show. You can listen to some of his earlier work on Spotify. I'm sure you can get it other places. Shout out to Cameron Ray. This episode is brought to you by Culture Hype. Hip-hop lyricist Terrence Spectacle will celebrate his new EP One Summer Night with a party right here at Cinderblock on March 31st. A party here at Cinderblock? No, it can't be. Yes, it can. Stay tuned for more details in the full lineup and RSVP in the meantime through pre-Kindle. That's something that should be noted, that the Cinderblock studio is available for events, private events, live music events. You let us know. Let's work something out. We'd love to host you for your next thing. Have your thing here. Okay, save the date. Save the date, people. Are you saving the date for the Deep Elm Arts Festival? It returns the first weekend of April. Hundreds of local musicians, visual artists, food, and fun for everyone. That's the first weekend in April, and that's the Deep Elm Arts Festival. Hand-drawn pressing's new state-of-the-art vinyl pressing facility is up and running. Local artists, are you listening? Hey. Hey, local artists. 
If you're looking to press your new music to vinyl, they're your guys. Find options, pricing, and more on their website. The Dallas debut of psych rock group Wall of Orange is Saturday, April 29th at the Kessler, featuring Sudi and the Angelas. Tickets will be available February 22nd. Oh, that means they're available now, so you can get them online. Thank you, Culture Hype, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. This is episode number 21 of the Cinderblock Podcast, featuring Sam Lau. Woke up this morning, stretched my kundalini, invoking my goddess. It's no wonder you're attracted to my being. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I own it. It's all mine, and I can flaunt it. If I want it, you don't like it. Don't police my areola. Uh, right now, I've been watching, uh, what is that, Black Mirror? Yeah? Yeah. Do you like it? I haven't watched it yet, but there's a lot of buzz. I skipped the first two seasons because my homie was like, hey, man, season three, episode one. one. Yeah. The... So we watched it uh, a couple nights ago, and I was like, oh, okay, this is fairly interesting. So yeah. I've been on that. And then there's this other show called 3% that I've been watching. That's Netflix? Yeah. I haven't heard of it. It's really good. Is it a Netflix original? Um, I think so, but I can tell that the original language wasn't in English. I think the original language, I like, I feel like it must have originally been shot for like Brazil or something. Cause really? I think the original language they're speaking is Portuguese, but they've dubbed over it in English. Oh, wow. But it's actually like a really good show. Like it's about, you know, dystopian world and whatnot where only 3% of the population gets to live like a really good life. Gotcha. But you have to go through all these tests to prove that you're worthy Sure. To sure. like live in this utopia. Interesting. So it's, you're going, you're like watching the trials happen, but it's cooler than like, say, like a Hunger Games or a Divergent. Right. Which are like <laughs> really just too cookie cuttery yeah. for me. <laughs> I feel you. I like the first Hunger Games. But I from, did like the first from Hunger Games. On, I, I yeah. After that, I'm just like, yeah. okay, fine. I see where this is going. Word. Do you normally like like foreign films and stuff? Like, uh, what what's your taste like with, with media um i would say it's fairly diverse like there's nothing that i'm just like "Mm, i don't want to watch that you know if it has like a cool quirky title or just something interesting in the synopsis and that's another thing like i'll start binge watching a show and then get bored and then i'll just read all the synopsis for the other episodes and then i'm like okay i've watched this yeah i get get it yeah i get the point i get the point i'm done (laughs) i've satisfied that need to know what happens right do you have a favorite thing that you've watched this year? Like, were you all about Stranger Things or... I did go through Stranger Things. Making a Murderer or any I of that? I did go through the Making a Murderer. I finally watched, like, all of Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah? You into so it? So, I did love that. Yeah. I did love that whole, like, sci-fi, fantasy, medieval world. Like, yeah, I'm into it. So, it was, like, right up my alley. <laughs> and I'd been holding off. Because I'm kind of like one of those people where thing, where when things are like too deep into it, like too many seasons in and there's so much buzz, I'm like, no, I don't want to watch that. No. I don't want to watch it because everybody's talking about it and everybody yeah. else is watching it. See, I'm almost the opposite. And well, I don't know. So I, I like to, with, with music or movies or TV, I, I like to think of myself as somebody that can appreciate uh, things from earlier mm-hmm. eras or, yeah. or things that inform the things I watch now. So like... I'm going back and watching. I just finished The Wire this week. Oh wow! See, I still have never oh, it's watched that. so good. That. Um, I want to do The Sopranos, mm-hmm. uh, things like that, and like musically. I'm I'm I always miss for whatever reason. Maybe I'm just not. I don't pay attention to like Pitchfork or, or whoever is releasing like best albums of the year because yeah. I always miss them. And then I have to like for the next five years, I'm like playing catch up and and. <laughs> I think that's, that's fair. What. That happens because there, there's so much coming out at one time. Like, yeah. Because everybody and their mother can make music now. Like, it's true. There's literally just a constant influx and flow of music. Like, I, I do not believe anybody can actually keep up with everything that comes out. Like, you're going to miss stuff. You're going to miss a miss a vast majority of it because you're only going to see certain things. Totally. Do you? What's your music listening like? Do you I do you jump on new releases or do you have go-to playlists? Like what's your I'll give new releases like a listen or, you know, if I hear like a song on the radio and I'm like, "Okay, this is cool. Let me go check out what else they have or whatnot." I'd say usually I pick up on music just sitting on SoundCloud and letting SoundCloud play cool. or Spotify, mm-hmm. you know. Admittedly, I don't actively look for as much music as I should. Right. Um and a lot of that is just I don't want to dig through all that. 
like I'm very particular. There's a lot. And I'm very particular about how I listen to music for the first time. Oh, really? Like I like to be like really focused on it. Like I don't want a lot of stuff going on. I don't want to be doing something else. Like if I'm actively trying to listen to a new project, I want to just be sitting there with that project listening to that so that way I can actually absorb it. That's very respectful of you. I try to give it a, I try to give it a real chance. Like one of the things that I hate is like the the new style of music journalism is there's already articles going up like an hour after the project is dropped. Right. You cannot form a full cohesive opinion about a new body of work within an hour. Like you just can't do it. You need more time to absorb it emotionally and mentally and see if it sticks. Cause that's one thing like I was talking about with some friends the other night, like somebody can have a great project and it can be good, but if it doesn't stick afterwards, like if you sure, sure were enjoying it, like while it was playing, but an hour later you can't even like remember how a song goes. Yeah. yeah that's, yeah. That's kind of like, doc, you got to dock points for that. You got to dock points for <laughs> totally. it. Totally. And and I don't know about you, but I'm always guilty of, I'll buy an, an album. Well, this is a while ago because who really buys, buys albums, albums that much yeah. anymore? But I'll, I'll listen to an album for the first time and be like, okay, yeah, you know, it was good. Mm-hmm. And then six months later, for whatever reason, I'll pick it back up and be like, holy shit. Yeah. This is incredible. Why didn't yeah. I see this the first time? Yeah. I'm really bad about that. No, I feel like, but I feel like that's, that's what happens and like that's what I mean when I say it's like you can't really form a good opinion that quickly Totally. because it could have gone the opposite direction where six months later you pick it up and you're like, why did I like this? This is trash. <laughs> like you never know. Right. I mean, there's been some some dope music that came mm-hmm. out this year. Do you have any favorites besides yourself, besides your own? <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> me and mine. Like I'm tr- literally trying to go down yeah. the list of things that I actively listened to this year. And this year has been such a blur. It's been a it's been a wild blur. Yes, of, it's been such a wild ride of politics and Game of Thrones and TV shows yeah, and, and social awareness movies and, and yeah, like it's just so much. How do you how do you process how do you process the world around you? I know that's kind of a heavy. question. It is a heavy question because it's like I feel like 2016 has kind of been that year where people have to figure out how are you processing the world around you and not succumbing to all the bullshit. Can yeah, press on here. Of course. Okay. Fuck and, yeah. Okay. And not succumbing to like all the bullshit because it's heavy. Right. It's real heavy. And if you're not careful, you're like drowning under that. Um, I think one of the things that I've learned this year is that sometimes you got to check out. You yeah. got to check out for okay. your own emotional and mental and spiritual well-being because being constantly bombarded with all of this information, both good and bad, and it was quite a lot bad this year, totally. is detrimental to your health. Like there was uh, one point this year, I think it was like in August, where like I'm not a super spontaneous person. Okay. I need a plan in place of what I'm doing, where I'm going. Like if I'm going on a trip, like I need to know where I'm staying, how I'm eating, how I'm getting <laughs> back home. Like I'm not one of those people that's just like, yeah, I'm going to New York for a week. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm staying. I don't know who I'm seeing. Right. I'll just be there and figure it out. That is not me at all. It gives me great anxiety to do stuff like that. <laughs> is Jeremy like that or is he spontaneous? No, he's not. We're both like, okay. yo, we need a plan in place. Gotcha. We need to have some <laughs> sort of idea of what's going on but i was having such a hard time like around august and i just needed to check out yeah and some friends of ours were going to color we're like driving to colorado because her family has a, a lodge up in the mountains and i was like i need to check out i i need to go like i was at work and i was like on the verge of tears like it was just so heavy that day just- all the all the stuff all the stuff was just so heavy that day and i could not deal with the bullshit of dealing with customers who were mad that they missed the sale we had three weekends ago Mm -hmm. and wanted a rain check on the price i'm like dude i gotta go so i like left in the middle of my shift i told my coworker, my co-manager i was like look i gotta go i need i need to take some time and i took like the next three or four days off and we just drove to colorado and me and jeremy were like I don't know how we're getting home, but I need to go. So we'll figure it out. Wow. Yeah. So that was like, that's probably like the first like super spontaneous thing we figured we did because we drove up to this lodge, went to this mountain. There's like no internet. There's no phone service. It was completely like a dead zone. The only phone on the mountain was at the lodge. Wow. Like at the main lodge. Like a a phone you can literally actually hang up. Yeah. It was like a rotary phone. (laughs) Like it was like totally like just so analog like seeing an actual like phone with a cord is so just like what yeah so strange yeah i i was i was having a conversation with some people last night and she said that she read some sort of statistic that 
like a large percentage of, I guess, millennials, mm-hmm. um, and probably not you and I, because I think we're a little bit on the older side, yeah. but like in their early 20s or younger have mm-hmm. never physically hung up a phone. Yeah, it's crazy. Know? Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. It's nuts. It's like they've never... They never had to deal with floppy disks. Like they have no concept of what a floppy disk was. Like yeah. I remember seeing some meme online where they were like, kids these days think the save file option, like on the computer, they think a floppy disk is like a 3D printed version of that icon. Oh like yeah. Like they have no idea that the floppy disk <laughs> is what that icon right. is based on, not the other <laughs> way around. And like when I heard that, I was like, oh my God, I'm so old. Yeah. And even though I'm, I know that I'm not, like, technology is just, like, breezing past us. It's, like, just flying through. And it's crazy to think yeah. about stuff like that. To think about, like, millennials have no physical baby pictures. Like, all of their baby pictures are digital. Yeah. Like, their parents were not going to Walgreens. Like, yeah. they weren't doing it. That's crazy. And, like, I feel like we could still, like, dig in our parents' box or some random oh, yeah. box in the attic and find, you know, those packs of, of photos with totally. rolls of film in them. Like, That's when they hear about film, they're like, oh, you're into like cool photography like stuff. Like they're not realizing that's actually how we took pictures and got to see things. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Like I could have a whole lot of nostalgia and fun digging through old boxes of mm-hmm. photos because I haven't seen them in 20 yeah. years or ever maybe. Yeah. All they have to do is look through Facebook. They should lose those photos yeah. for 20 years. Yeah. And, and Facebook's and not even them. letting you. It's like, hey, here's this memory from three years ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a double-edged sword because sometimes yeah. I like that. Sometimes you like it and sometimes they bring up a memory and you're like, Facebook, go to bed. Are you, I don't want to know about this. I get so embarrassed about past me, mm-hmm. like horribly. <laughs> I kind of think you're supposed to though because there's growth there. Yeah. Like if you look back at your like those times and you're like, man, I was so cool then. You're probably a whack dude now. Like, yeah, If you true. think that's so cool. But the fact that you know, okay, man, I had some moments there <laughs> where it was just not going right. I was not as cool as I thought I was. Right. That shows growth. That shows that yeah. you realize and you've like moved forward and grown. So yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think you're supposed to look you're back right. at those pictures and be like, dude, I'm so embarrassed of how I was. Because I do that. I'll look at pictures and be like, man, I was so lame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I don't know. I just got to get over it, I guess. <laughs> right? Everybody does. I mean, there's no shame in being embarrassed about yeah. where you are. I just don't share it. Yeah. I see it. Mm-hmm. I feel the shame, <laughs> but nobody else can. So I guess it's There okay. you go. At least nobody's like holding it over your head or like blackmailing you with it. Right. Then that would be a complete just clusterfuck. Not yet. <laughs> Till somebody finds it. Yeah. I don't know. So um, 2016 mm-hmm. was a big year for you. Yeah. You had some fun. Yeah, I did. Let's talk about Spectrum. Okay. What What were you thinking? <laughs> um, <laughs> so Spectrum was like pulling teeth in a way. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Um, because my first EP had done so well, to my surprise, because I totally never expected it to be as well received or right. to gain as much notoriety as I did off of it, um, that I felt so much pressure afterwards. Like, because I created West Pantigo and it was so easy because there was no expectations. But now there's expectations and like people are expecting things from me and they want me to be awesome. And I'm like, I don't know if that first one was a fluke. That could have just been an accident. I don't know (laughs) if I can recreate this magic, you guys. But I'm going to try. Do it. So there were phases there where I was trying too hard or, you know, just couldn't find the inspiration. I wasn't trying hard enough. But then I finally found like, you know, a good groove and then I lost everything. And then I ended up having to start over. Like lost the files? Like you had almost like a topic situation? Almost, yeah. Like I, the album was just about done. I had done like all the final like listens right before it was going to get finally like the final mixes and mastering done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all gone. Just how? Do you know? Um, I do know. There was um, a disagreement with someone that I was working with at the time. And they produced a lot of the tracks that were on the album. I see. And we hit a point where we couldn't agree on how things were being handled. And we had to part ways. And parting ways meant they took everything with them. Got it. Um, so I think after everything was said and done, I had all my lyrics, obviously, because I write all my own music. Yes. Um, so I had all of that. And I think I had like one song that I was keeping. And I had to start over. Wow. And that was like, Jeremy would probably tell the story better of like how I was around that time. But 
it was devastating. Sure. Because it had already been like so long since my first project came out. And I already felt that pressure of it being so long since the first one. And I was like, I don't want people to lose interest or feel like I was just a flash in the pan. Like, I really enjoy doing this. I love this. Like, I want it to be awesome. And I just kept getting thwarted at every turn. Yeah. Well, and plus, whether or not uh, uh, you had some creative differences with a collaborator, you still created something. It's Mm -hmm. kind of your baby. Yeah. And it's It's ripped away. It's like losing a kid in the custody battle and I never get to see my kid again. Totally. (laughs) So having to like rebuild and, you know, find other people to work with, which I found blessings in Donnie Domino. Obviously, I'd already worked with Blue. I got to work with Picnic. Mm so working with those guys like really helped me. And honestly, I love where Spectrum is now so much more yeah. than what I had before. So it was kind of like a blessing in disguise because I ended up with a better product than what I had. Totally. Because once I got past the devastation and the like just fear and anger and got past all that, it was finally like, oh, now I have to really shit on you right. because you took everything. So now it has to be even better than what it was going to be before. Right. Um, so even though like a lot of people never heard what it was in its first like version or whatnot, I'm so much better, happier yeah. with the second with, with how it became Spectrum. That's awesome. Yeah. Did you, can you look back and, and basically look at yourself from the, let's say the moment that you guys parted ways mm-hmm. to when you released the album, like did you grow as a person through that time? Definitely. Um, I definitely learned some serious lessons during that time. Um, I learned how to not only ask for help, because I'm not a person that asks for help. I'm very, I want to do this on my own. Mm -hmm. Like I have to make this with my own two hands. It's hard for me to ask for help sometimes. Right. So I learned that there's nothing wrong with asking for help. Like you can still ask for help and it still be yours and like still do a collaborative effort without losing, you know, ownership of your, of your craft. Um, so learning to ask for help, learning how to receive help, um, becoming a better collaborator, I feel, because I had to work with more people. Um, and at that same time, like a couple months after that, I ended up parting ways with my management. So now I'm out of a project and out of management, and it's like, we're doing Holy this. shit, yeah. We're doing this. This is what's going to happen. We right. don't have a choice now. Um, so it really made me... I, I always knew I wanted to do it, but this was like the final nail in the coffin where it's like, you're doing this. This is not, a, you can't hang this up now. Like you're doing this, you're knocking it out of the park, get it together. Right. Um. So having that extra like push was probably the biggest blessing I had on the project. I believe that. Yeah. I'm jumping around a little bit, no, but going back before Spectrum, because mm-hmm. I've read about kind of how you started music. It mm-hmm. was, it was never really part of your plan right Mm-mm. you're a painter a graphic designer kind of by trade yep. and you just kind of jumped in the booth one day kind of mm-hmm. right is that is that yeah. accurate to say yeah and i don't want anybody to think i'm disingenuous about my love for music because i've always loved music the reason i didn't pursue it was because i didn't feel like i was good enough got it and so i opted to keep that as just like my little you know, side thing, my little singing in the shower. Like, yeah. I'll never actually do anything with music, but I, I you know, I like to sing. I like because I was never rapping before. Rapping wasn't even like on my radar. That's the the big surprise to me. Yeah, it was. It was kind of a surprise to me. And I think when it came down to it, when I started the music, singing wasn't enough. Okay. It wasn't giving me enough um, of what I wanted to convey because the. West Pantigo was such just a therapy project almost. Mm-hmm. And there was just a lot of emotion and thought that I needed to get out there. Totally. And singing wasn't enough to do that. Um, so I ended up, you know, tapping into my spoken word poetry roots and going the rap route. Yeah. I guess that's that's less surprising. Because, like, the way I think about it, it's like, who just starts rapping? <laughs> that takes so much confidence. Well, that and, like, one of my things, I really like to be good at stuff. And I like to surprise people. Yeah. Word. So I think part of that, that was also a part of it. Cause I was like, if I can be good at rapping, fools are not going to know how to handle me. And right. It's going to be so awesome. <laughs> and yeah, well, that's awesome. So, and I haven't listened to West Pantigo. I got to go mm-hmm. back. Um, is it, uh, cause, cause I know Spectrum is super dynamic, mm-hmm. very diverse song to song. Every song sounds unique 
I mean, they they all fit together very mm-hmm. well as an album, but but it's it you show some range, which is awesome. Yeah. Was West Pantego like that too, or was that? Um, it definitely was a bit like that. Um, it was definitely like the precursor. Yeah. I feel like it definitely feels like the pre- the precursor to to Spectrum, mm-hmm. where there's some diversity there. It's not quite as fine tuned, obviously. Like me going back and listening to it, I was like, man, I've definitely improved. Um, but there's definitely that same level of like diversity, like. There's like a Coldplay sample on that one, yeah. and there's a whole just spoken word track on it. So, and then there's like still like the singy stuff. So, you know, I think that whole diversity and being able to be versatile and having a, a range of sound is always going to be something that's part of me as an artist because that's just me as a person. Yeah. What do you have a favorite track off Spectrum? I know that's tough. It's so tough because <laughs> I love all of them for different reasons. Sure. Um, I think I might have to say the first track, Reminder, mm-hmm. um, just because that was, as much as I wanted it to come out of the gate swinging, it was also kind of a mantra for me personally. Totally. Where it's like, fuck what's going on around you. Fuck what anybody has to say about this. Fuck everybody else's expectations. Bitch, I'm me. And at the end of the day, that's what you're going to get. And if you don't like it, it's not for you. And you can move around. Yeah. So that's, I think that's the most, that sentiment means the most to me. Yeah. I, 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 that's great. And I think, I think the record's got an interesting arc because it's comes out of the gate so aggressively with Mm -hmm. that track. And then pineapple is also, is aggressive is probably a good word for it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's very, it's. It's like a coy kind of aggression. Yeah, because it's sensual too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and then you go all the way through it and it gets a little more, there's some groove in the middle, mm-hmm. you know? And then by the end, Higher is a straight up rock ballad. <laughs> that track is so dope. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, That's probably my second favorite. Is it? Yeah. What's it been, what has life been like since, you released since February? February, yeah. What's What's happened since? Obviously, people still loved it. Thank God. <laughs> Which, I mean, I still would have been happy with it even if people hadn't loved it. But I am really glad that, you know, I was able to do something that, you know, the fans were happy with. And that mm-hmm. I got more fans from. So that has been really awesome. Just, you know, being able to get more shows in the city. All the um, Observer nominations and wins that I got off yeah, of Yeah. You have so much whiskey. <laughs> and I don't even drink. I know. <laughs> That's crazy to me, though, that they give away bottles of alcohol yeah. as your trophy. It's like, here, you did an awesome job. Go get <laughs> wasted. So what, are they just going to like sit on, on a mantle or something? They, they're like on a, a trophy shelf. Case? They're on a shelf at my house right now. I did take one to my dad thinking that he would drink it because he likes he enjoys Jack Daniels. And he Got was it. like, no, this is special. I'm not drinking it. I was oh. like, oh, dad, please. That's nice. Yeah. So since February, mm-hmm. uh, you have obviously won several awards. Yeah. Which I did Which not was, expect to win all of those. Do you expect it? Let's be honest. I expected you, to win at least one. Yeah. Maybe two. I did not. I did not walk into the bomb factory that night expecting to win all five. Right. Obviously, Who there was would? a hope that I wanted to in my own little like fantasy multiverse. <laughs> Somewhere in the multiverse, I knew that I, there was a possibility that I won all five. I didn't think it was here. Right. I did not think that I was going to walk away with all five. Yeah. And... I cannot describe the level of elation and euphoria when I was like, when they called my name for the last one. I was just like, holy shit. Right yeah. Now. Like, what was the last one? Best album? The last one was best album. So they announced best, uh, excuse me, mm-hmm. they announced best rap slash hip hop act first. Okay. Which I felt like I had a good chance in that one. I knew I was up against uh, Bobby and Topic though. Yeah. So I was like, this could really go you know, any of these ways, but I really wanted that one just because I know there's a lot of times where people don't consider me a rap or hip hop act, or I just kind of get like, you know, just muffed to the side. Right. We're like, yeah, she's cool or whatever, but she's not really out here rapping. Word. So I wanted to win that one just to shit on fools and let them know. <laughs> it's like, say fam, I'm out here. Yeah. Like you're going to respect my hustle right now. Totally. Um. So I was really happy when I got that one. I think the next one that got called was uh, for best music video, which is the other one that I felt like I had a fair chance yeah. at, and I really wanted that one not only for me but for Jeremy. So I, I think it like 
I like the other music videos, but I I think that was like the clear. Yeah. It that that video is perfect for that song. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I like worked hard on that. Uh, yeah, and I'm sure you did. And and you know, Jeremy obviously has done several. You mm-hmm. know, you know, he's worked with Bobby. He's worked with Topic. He's yeah. worked with. He like, had another Buffalo, video nominated. You know? Yeah. Oh so yeah. He had for, two for Sudi, nominations. Right? Yeah. So he yeah. had two nominations in the music video category. So I would have been more than happy if he won that one because like he's worked so hard and he does great work. And I feel like a lot of the times he's underappreciated in that. Yeah. you know, realm. People don't realize that he's doing that. So I would have been more than happy had he won with that video. I really liked Sudi's video too. Yeah. Um, and that was another one that was like pretty spot on for her song. Yeah. I think that that's, that's one thing that a lot of artists miss with music videos is they just want to create something cool or mm-hmm. they want it to be sexy or they want it to be this. Your video is perfect for the track. And I think that's hard to hit. So props okay. to you and your man. Thanks. Yeah, so yeah, I was I was really happy that that we won that one together. Yeah, that you know we're obviously a couple, but it's still like goals, <laughs> right? <know>? Yeah, <laughs> hashtag relationship goals. Yeah. Right? What has that been like? Like, how do you guys work off of each other and inspire each other? So we are both extremely competitive. And that means with each other as well. Oh, yeah, interesting. Um, not like ugly, like it doesn't get ugly, <laughs> but we're like we're one of those people where if we see somebody do something really freaking awesome, we'll just be like, "Damn, why didn't I think of that first? Like, right. And that pushes us to like do more and like go harder. And that is the same. Like if I see him do a really dope painting, like the next painting or whatever else I I'm doing, I want it to be super awesome. So it can be on that level or above. Right. So it's a constant kind of like one upping that's happening, <laughs> but not in like a detrimental to our relationship kind of way. Sounds like it's good for growth. It is. Yeah. It's really great for growth, growth because we're constantly pushing one another. Like if we see the other one slipping or not pushing something as far as it goes, we're not afraid to tell each other that. And that's huge. We understand that it's not coming from, you know, a mean place or, you know, an ugly place. It's just, babe, I know you can do better than this. Kick it up. Kick it up a notch. Like, you can do better. Nice. You can go harder. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we don't take each other's advice and that's okay. Yeah. Like, we've gotten to the point where it's like, we don't take ownership of each other's stuff. If I have a good idea for your stuff and you're like, no, that's not what I want to do, then I'm just like, okay, well, here it is if you want it. (laughs) I'll just leave it right here. Right. I'm just going to leave it over here. And if you don't decide to come for it, that's fine. I'll use it for my own stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, we work very well together. Yeah. So so collaborating on, on like the pineapple video. Yeah. yeah. Collaborating on the pineapple video was, was fairly easy. I mean, I knew exactly like what color scheme I wanted. Mm-hmm. I had like sketched out like frames, specific scenes cool. that I wanted. And at that point it was, stuff. yeah, we yeah. did the storyboard together. Like, if anything, he probably just spent most of it reining me in a little bit because one of my greatest strengths and weaknesses is I'm too ambitious. Mm. Like I get these grandiose and just like huge ideas and yeah. it's like that we don't have the means to accomplish that right now. We're going to get as close as possible because right. we're both fairly resourceful. But, you know, some things you're just like, OK, we can't quite do that yet. We'll just hold off on that particular idea. Yeah. But um. We made it work, and he did a great job shooting it, and, you know, now it's an award-winning video. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So you got that one, and then what was what was after the music video award? And then after that one, I ended up doing my performance, and I was in the back, and they called um, Best Female Vocalist, hmm. which I didn't think I had a chance in hell <laughs> of winning Who that one. Who you up against for that? I know Sudi was in that category. I think Sarah Jaffe was in that category. Hmm. And I know both of them, and they're yeah. both incredible singers. Totally. And even though I rap and sing, I like my voice, but I have no, like, you know, delusions that I'm some huge, you know, great voice. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I can, you know, carry it yeah. or whatever. You know, so I was Whitney Houston. Yeah, but I'm yeah. not like, you know, I'm not out here, like, belting to the, you know, the stands or whatever, but... That one, I was like, there's no way I'll win that one. Yeah. There's better voices in that category. But I won it, so here we are. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so fuck yeah. y'all on the best. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so I remember I was in the back and I was, like, still sipping water and, like, just being like, man, I hope that performance was awesome. It felt good, so hopefully everybody liked it. And then I 
hear them calling names and then I hear them call Sam Lau and I come out of the back and I'm like, oh shit, this is number three for the night. Like, Damn. it's getting real real out here right now. Yeah. So then I'm like, you know, still watching the rest of the show, seeing the other, you know, categories get called. Mm -hmm. And I know that the last two categories I'm up for are the last two of the night. Yeah. So they call for best song and I end up winning best song for pineapple. And I was like, holy shit. I'm just looking at all the bottles at the table. <laughs> and then I walk up and pick up this other one and I'm like, this is getting this is getting intense right now. Yeah. Because I know that best album is the next one. And I knew that I was up against Bobby and Law of Attraction was a great album. Awesome. Like so good. there's no doubt about it. That was a great fucking album. I'll be honest, I voted for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean I voted for it. I didn't yeah. even vote for myself. I voted for Bobby. That's big. Um, That's big of you. And I was like, I'm probably not going to win this one. And that's okay because I already have all these other ones. That's fine. But I milled around at like the end of the stage because I was like, there's a chance that they might call my name again. And you had momentum for sure, right? Yeah. I, had mo <laughs> I was like, there's a chance. Like, I didn't think I had a chance to get this far, but clearly there's a chance that I might go even further. Yeah. And I remember I was standing at the end of the stage and I was uh, talking to Cure for Paranoia because they had just won Best New Artist. Congrats to them. Yeah. Totally. Um, and they called for best album and Spectrum won. And I was just like, are you serious right now? Like, did this just happen? Like, I just remember walking up there and just being kind of like in a daze and yet so thankful and so amazed and just like in awe of the fact that I had just swept like everything. Your just categories, like, yeah. Like, how? I was like, how? This is incredible. And I remember waking up the next morning and just being like, Yo, that really happened. I woke up the next morning and went to work. I went to my day job. <laughs> right. My regular ass Where, day yeah. job. And <laughs> it was just so funny because I kept getting like texts and like one of my friends, she brought me lunch as like a congratulations. And it was just like, man, this is crazy right now. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's awesome. It's super awesome. It was, and and I haven't been to, I, I, I missed last year's, mm -hmm awards and wasn't really even part of the music community before that mm -hmm. but this year was a pretty big year for hip-hop in oh, general yeah. Oh, yeah. you sweep buffalo won mm -hmm. uh best songwriter mm -hmm. for for hip-hop artists to win best songwriter a bunch of other other styles of music was yeah. was big because nobody ever thinks about hip-hop as songwriting like right the lyricism there never gets put up against you know the lyricism or songwriting for for like you know rock or indie or folk or anything like that yeah like it's hip-hop is always just delegated to its own little corner and it's never held to the same like i won't say high standards but it's never held to the same like ideals as other music it's kind of it's still treated as like a hobbyist form of music instead yeah, of actual form of music like that you actually have to like study and put effort into mm -hmm. like people aren't just out here pulling bars out of their ass like right you actually have to work hard at this absolutely and i mean even just along the lines of hip-hop like being a dj is mm -hmm. such a a craft that I'm I'm oh, yeah. I'm newly learning about. Like I said, like I I blew the misfit in here mm -hmm. last week, and John was here too, John mm -hmm. Stewart, and and they were just talking to me about all everything and how much work it takes just to put together a mix for that night. Oh yeah, it's because people and I hate when I see people disrespect the DJ because the DJ at a party or at a show is in control of the event, right? Like, it is up to that DJ how well that event goes. Yeah. Because you know instantly when a DJ sucks. <laughs> like, you know it. But a good DJ can even play a song that you don't like and make you enjoy it and That's make you point. still have a good time. Yeah. So I, I feel like um, DJs are kind of having that thing right now where everybody feels like they can just go buy DJ equipment and throw together a playlist and suddenly they're a DJ and they don't realize there's an actual like science and a very like fine-tuned machine behind being a dj totally um so yeah i definitely commend like blue and john because like those all everything parties are fucking awesome like yeah. they're always a good time even when i go for like an artist that i don't particularly care for or wouldn't listen to like on purpose even totally. going those nights the vibe and just the atmosphere in the party is always on point. It's always a good time, like no matter what. Yeah. And like to be a good DJ, you have to be able to do that. Yeah. 
Especially for a Sunday night. Yeah. I don't go out on Sunday nights. I rarely like, do. It's hard to get me out of the house because I'm just like, I got to prep for the week. I got to yeah. like take Sunday nights are like for chill and like recoup mm-hmm. and, you know, brainstorm for the upcoming week. Right. So it's weird to like get out of the house on a Sunday and go like ham and just turn up. Right. How much when you say brainstorm for the upcoming week, do you do a lot of creative stuff week to week? Like outside of just work stuff? Um... I try to. I'll do like a little things here and there. Sometimes it's just, you know, more writing or like because you got to keep your mind sharp and whatnot. Yeah. So more writing, some reading, you know, even just like writing down ideas. Yeah. Just even if it's like a vague idea. Um, I do try to do those sort of things, like some little drawings and stuff. Yeah. I do a lot of photography at work, so that also helps too. That's cool. Um, so by the time this comes out, you know, mm-hmm. we're, this is, we're doing this in the middle of December. Mm-hmm. It'll go out in about a month. Mm-hmm. So there will have been an announcement mm-hmm. made. Um, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So by the time this comes out, everyone will know that I am now part of the Deaf Disco family. What? Yes! So exciting. So exciting. Yes. Yeah. I, I still like sometimes think about it. I'm just like, holy shit. I'm signed to a label that like is really awesome and appreciates what I do. Totally. How long has this process been? When Um, when did this start? It actually started probably a couple years ago. Wow. Because they reached out to me um, in between West Pantigo and Spectrum. Okay. And at the time, I was just like, "Mm, that's not. It's not for me okay. right then. Yeah. It's not for me. And then after I released Spectrum, we got to talking again and, you know, it just, it fit. It fit now. So here yeah. we are. Here you are. Here we are. Um, so does that mean 2017 is going to be a big year? That is the plan. Like, um, they now have distribution through Warner. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. um, we're working on re-releasing Spectrum with Warner distribution and oh. like, Okay. Taking it far. Like, yeah. Because that's always been the goal. Like, I love Dallas. Obviously, Dallas is home. Um, I love that I have fans here and people who support me here. But I absolutely want to see how far I can take it. Like, that's the goal, to take it as far as humanely possible. Totally. So, national, international. Like, I'm trying to Beyonce this shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> you, you and Jeremy could be Beyonce and Jay-Z. Oh, yeah, man. That's what we're working on. But, like, more... Artsy, maybe I don't know, because you're designers. You're mm-hmm. you're different types of creatives yeah. than, than they are. Yeah, that's cool. I'm into that. Um, so pushing spectrum, mm-hmm. Beyonce ing this shit. <laughs> uh, are you gonna work on new music anytime soon, or is it is it just all about that? Do you do you like write in? quote unquote like the off season or, or do you um, kind of sit down? I do down? a little bit. It's more of like loose ideas yeah. and thought processes. Um, and then once I really get into, okay, we're working on a new body of work, then it's more like fine-tuned, more deliberate yeah. sort of uh, writing. But right now, you know, we're trying to shoot a music video for every song on the album. So nice. it's getting all that storyboarded and worked out and, you know, um, figuring out locations and you know resources and all that stuff so it's super super exciting to now have um you know the support of a label like deaf disco that is allowing me to still have creative control of what i'm doing which was like a huge thing for me because so many of these labels were like yeah we want you on our team but you're gonna do what we want you to do and it's like then why did you come to me you can just find somebody else that you know you can force into whatever mold you want to do right that's not what i'm looking for like if we're gonna work together it's gonna be a collaborative partnership it's not a you're running me because at the end of the day you came to me right like and that's not on some like egotistical shit i feel like that's on some artists forget like they're so just amped up about you know having a label and being signed that they put so much power in that label and they give up all of their ownership of their craft. And it's like, at the end of the day, they came to you for a reason. Absolutely. Like this should be a partnership, not a, they're your boss and you have to do exactly what they say. 
Like, obviously, there's some logistical things where they would know better. But at the end of the day, like, you should have control of, you know, how you're presented yeah. and how your work is presented. Uh, Larry G mm-hmm. quotes Erica Badu all the time and says, <laughs> I'm an artist, so I'm sensitive about my shit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and Def Disco, to their credit, you know, I don't I don't know about their deals or mm-hmm. whatever with, with all of their artists, but it seems like that's that's kinda how they operate. They don't yeah. they don't want to control you. Yeah, which they, is amazing. Yeah. They want you to be exactly what you're trying to be. They just want to help you get further with mm-hmm. it. So that was right up my alley and music to my ears and since I've learned, you know, that it's okay to accept help. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now, See, you've grown. Now I've grown and now it's a good fit. So I'm <laughs> so happy to be a part of the Def Disco family. And I'm so looking forward to 2017 because I can feel it. Like I can feel that it's going to be just so incredible. Yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Uh, you went to New York recently okay. also. Did that have anything to do with Def Disco or was that um, totally independent? No, that was totally independent. Um, I went to perform at the Hot 97 uh, Who's Next Showcase. Yeah. They, I opened my email one day and there they were and they were like, hey, it was this uh, one of their people on their team named Scotty Beam and I follow her on Twitter because mm-hmm. she's one of those people that's always got her pulse on, you know, what's going on in the hip hop community, music that's coming out, things that Nationwide. are Nationwide? Yeah. Wow. So it's like, she's just one of those people to like know and follow. And, you know, I tried to do the thing where you, you interact a little bit, but you don't want to be like in their mess- their mentions every day because then you just look super thirsty. Right. But I didn't even know that they were, I didn't even realize that that was an aspect of what they did. And then I just opened my email one day and she's like, hey, this is Scotty Beam from High 97. Um, we have this showcase. It's, you know, huge artists like Chance the Rapper and Drake and Kendrick have all performed on this stage and blah, blah, blah. Right. And we think Sam Lau would be a good fit. And we'd like you to come perform. And I just remember sitting there like, what? <laughs> like, what? Right. It was so surreal because Hot 97 is like one of those like, holy grail of you know hip-hop radio stations Mm -hmm. like you get that cosign like that's a big deal so for them to be reaching out it was just like oh shit it's lit it's lit right now (laughs) bro i remember screenshotting the message and sending it to jeremy and going look what i just opened and he like immediately called me and was like are you serious right now so we ended up going and you know I called my DJ. I'm like, yo, we need to go to New York. Can you get time off work? And he's like, absolutely. We'll make this work. So we ended up going and I performed. The other people on the bill was like Rob Stone, Nick Grant, um, this guy named Carrie and Topaz Jones. And they were all really great guys. It was like an awesome and stage from to be on. All over, right? Yeah, they're from all over. Like I think Nick Grant is like from Virginia and somebody's from like San Francisco and like just all over the country. Yeah. And I was the only girl on the bill, which is not uncommon for me. Yeah. I'm normally used to the that. only girl on the bill. But I knew that it could go one of two ways. Because it can always go one of two ways. Either they really love me or they're just like, why the fuck is this girl on stage? Mm. So I remember getting to the venue early, which the the show was at SOBs, which is like another just like holy grail of like music venues to be performing in in New York. Okay. Like literally their, their tagline is where legends are born. Like. Damn. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's some high talk. So exactly. they better back it up, right? <laughs> so. I remember we got there early for sound check because I still try to go to sound checks because I feel like they're important. Yes. Um, and I knew some of the guys were there and some of like the other, you know, their entourages or Hot 97 people were there. And I was like, okay, the sound check is the first step of gaining respect in this room. So I go up there and I kill my fucking sound check because that's what I do. What is, what do you do for do you just do a song? Do yeah. you do a set? Like yeah, so not the whole set, but like a song, maybe like a song and a half, just yeah. to get like levels, monitors, mics, all that stuff done. What, what song? I did think it? I checked with uh, Pilgrims, which oh. is from the first from the first project. The 
video for that. Uh-huh. Is that where they're where you're all at the table? At the table, yeah. Is so dope. Thank you. I love that video. <laughs> Thank you. It's super awesome. That was the my very first music video. I think that was Jeremy's like third music video he ever shot. Yeah. Um but yeah, that was the song that I checked with, which is like a real another one of those in your face, like I'm about to show you what I can do right now songs. Yeah. And I'm kind of eyeing the like eyeing who's there, but not you know it's not I'm not actually performing, so I'm not making like full performance eye contact or anything like that. Right. But I remember getting off stage, and before I got up there, like I was pretty much only talking to Scotty, like I hadn't talked to anybody else that was in there. But after that point, I could see like the look of respect was getting the nods of I see you, like, the, yeah, you know that okay. was a good job or whatever. Word. So that was my first like bit of okay. We got this shit. We can do it. And then uh, actually performing that night was went very well. Like the crowd was receptive. Um, they seemed to like the music. They moved, you know, they didn't move a whole bunch. I, I don't know what this sudden like trend is with people at shows where they like don't move. They just kind of stare at you. Yeah. I'm just like, are you guys enjoying yourself or not enjoying yourself? Would you like to not be here? Yeah, it's interesting. It's so strange. But they did that thing where after I get off stage and I'm walking through the crowd, everybody wants to dab me up and high five and like, oh my God, you were awesome. And where can I find more of your stuff? And right. where are you from? And you know, all that stuff. So it, I was very well received. I was very excited to have had that opportunity. And one of the things that the host kept stressing, they were like, you cannot submit for this showcase. Like you cannot, mm. there's no form you can fill out. You can't send in your music. We find you. Right. So the fact that they had somehow come across my music, seen what I was doing and was like, yeah, we need her to come out here and perform because that would be like, she's built for this. Like that was a very, just like, you know, it just felt good to know that some, an entity of that caliber saw me and was like, yeah, she's got it. Yeah. She's got it. And we want to show her off right now before she gets any bigger. Right. Well, and I, and I know something, correct me if I'm wrong, but mm -hmm. something that's important to you is being seen, not necessarily just as a female rapper, but mm -hmm. just a rapper. Exactly. And there's some validation in, in that whole mm -hmm. Definitely. experience, right? Definitely. Because... Everybody always likes to shit on female rappers like we're we don't work as hard or we're not as good, which I think find to be extremely unfair because there can be five dudes that sound exactly the same and have the same style and borderline make the same exact music. And everybody's like on their dick and like, oh, my God, they're awesome. They're <laughs> great. I love them all. They're great. It's like, but you can't let one girl in here who's really like killing shit or actually you can only let one girl right, in here at a time that's actually killing shit like why does the female rapper always have to be the highlander of hip-hop there can only be one <laughs> like what is the deal with that shit yeah so it's always been my goal like obviously i embrace the fact that i'm a woman i embrace the fact that my there's a large portion of my fan base is other women sure but at the end of the day, you're going to respect me because I'm out here killing shit as a rapper first, yeah. not just as a woman. Although we can take that extra little bit of me being a woman and still kicking your ass. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. We can go ahead and sprinkle that little extra bit on top. <laughs> Rub the salt in that yeah. wound. Right. Um, have you ever, do you, are you a collaborator now? Like I know you said that you're you're very much about kind of doing it yourself. I know that Bobby and 88 Killer were on mm -hmm. Spectrum. Do you collaborate? Is that something you want to do more, less? I do want to do um, more collaborations. I'm just very particular mm -hmm. with who I collaborate with. Like I get a lot of requests for, you know, people asking me to do verses on stuff, but I'm just so just particular about, you know, one, what I'm lending my voice to, what artists I'm working with, yeah. how the song itself sounds. Um, that I'm not just like, oh, somebody's asking me for a verse. I can charge them X amount. Sure, let's go. Right. Like, I need to make sure that I am just as well represented, you know, in that equation, which I think some people don't think about. Like, they're just, they just see it as, oh, somebody wants a verse from me. Right. And they're not realizing if this person is rapping about shit that you've never rapped about or shit that does not align with your own beliefs like why would you rap 
or align yourself with that person. Like, why would you work with them? Right. So I always try to be mindful of stuff like that. Yeah. Have you, because the reason I ask is, is I'm thinking about kind of the way you, the unique position you're in, mm -hmm. somewhat unique of, of being a, a female rapper, mm -hmm. but not necessarily wanting to be defined that way. Yeah. Um, does it make sense to work with other women in hip hop mm -hmm. or does that put y'all, does that lump y'all all together or does it make sense to get on a track with other dudes and tear them apart? <laughs> um, I think both options make sense. There yeah. is that notion of lumping together that does happen. Yeah. Um, but I think women in music, not just women in hip hop, women in music are realizing you know, we're out here and this may be a boys club, but we're killing shit and we'll support one another and, you know, do what we can to help one another while we kill the boys and while we like carve our own like, hey, totally. we're there's no reason to completely separate. OK, this is just hip hop and this is female hip hop. Right. Or, you know, any genre of music. Like, yeah, I had Sudi in here uh, a couple days ago mm -hmm. and she was super adamant about yeah. that. Because um, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's like the fucking Emmys or like Oscars or whatever. Best male lead, best female lead. It's like you guys are acting. There's really nothing different about what you're doing. Yeah. Why are there different categories specifically for men and specifically for women? Yeah. Like if anything that shows a, a need for there to be more diverse roles because if you're only looking at men as being these strong like hero characters and the women are always these demure or overly sexual characters and that's all that they get to be that's a problem yeah and that's totally from old hollywood you know because oh, yeah. that's how it was Absolutely. in the 30s 40s however long i don't know when academy awards have been going on for but a while we've evolved past that totally. but we're still holding on to these archaic notions yeah and that definitely is like still prevalent across the entertainment industry as a whole, but definitely in music. Yeah. Uh, are you hoping to change that a little bit? I mean, what's what's, yeah. what's your role there? Do you, do you see, have you thought about that? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I would love to be obviously this huge household name that, you know, everyone knows and, you know, is like killing shit across the board. Sure. If for some reason that does not happen, but it manages to open the door for more female artists to stake their claim and really just compete at the same level because they're good at it and not be, you know, pushed to the side just because they're girls. I am more than happy with being the, you know, the one to open it up for that. Yeah. Like I, that would be more than enough for me. Cool. Having both would be even better though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'll take the, the fame and, yeah. and the money and, mm -hmm. you know. And even if it's just, like, inspiring younger girls that are coming up, mm -hmm. that are seeing, I don't care that, you know, I'm in the boys club and, like, and being, you know, not taken as seriously, that I'm still working hard, still working twice as hard as some of these guys. If that, if a younger girl looks at that and sees, oh, I can do this too because Sam did it, that is fucking incredible for me. That's exactly what I want to do. Awesome. Because, like, you know, I didn't have role, especially like me being a black woman, being a mixed woman. I didn't have role models that looked like me growing up. Right. So if I can be a role model for, you know, another little girl, I'm here. Like, you can fucking do this shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to throw on a track that everybody's heard at the end of this, mm -hmm. uh, Pineapple, <laughs> which won best, well, it's it just best song is, yeah. is what it is. Best song for Pineapple and best, best music, music video, video and was on the best album yeah. spectrum yeah. from Sam Lau <laughs> from the 2016 Dallas Observer Music Awards. Mm -hmm. And who knows what's next? Yeah. Def Disco and Warner. Are gonna and then the world and then, and then we <laughs> conquer the world. Um, Sam, thank you for sitting down with me. Thank you so much for having me. Of it's course. So fun.
This is Pineapple by Miss Sam Lau. They wanna see me in my pine pineapple, pine pine pineapple, pine pineapple, pine pine. They wanna see me in my pine pineapple, pine pine pineapple, pine pineapple, pine pine. Woke up this morning, stretched my Kundalini, invoking my goddess. It's no wonder you're attracted to my being. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I own it. It's all mine, and I can flaunt it if I want it. You don't like it? Don't police my areola. Want that fight? You can just step aside, mess up your pipe. Pay homage to my temple doesn't mean you get to come inside. If I bless you with my presence, it's a present. Get your life. If your presence is a menace, get the fuck up out my life. Pine, 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 Culture Hype for sponsoring hip-hop lyricist Terrence Spectacle. His EP One Summer Night, The Party, is here at Cinderblock March 31st. More details are coming. RSVP on pre-Kindle. Save the date for the Deep Elm Arts Festival, April, first weekend. Hand-drawn Pressing's new vinyl pressing facility is up and running. Be like Charlie Crockett. Go get your vinyl from them. His is great. It's a 180 gram, thick, fat piece of vinyl. It sounds beautiful. And join the Kessler for the Dallas debut of psych rock group Wall of Orange, Saturday, April 29th, featuring Sudi and the Angelas. Tickets are available online. Thank you for listening. Hey, listener. Thank you. I'm trying to stick to my mantra. I don't know if it's a mantra. I'm, I, 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 I'll be honest. I still don't really exactly know what a mantra is. It's like a saying that... Is it like your personal slogan, something you live by? If so, this could be my mantra. Uh, last episode of the podcast, I told you to wake up and make something because that's what I'm trying to do each and every day, even though I don't always do it and I don't always follow through. But I'm trying, and I hope you do too. Go out there, wake up, and make something. <laughs>